Matthew McGraw, uh, Dr. Matthew McGraw, optometrist here in Gallup. Dr. Brandy McGraw, also optometrist in town. Kathy Mazoff, I'm a retired pediatrician that worked at RMCH for 34 years and retired in 2014. My husband was the ophthalmologist who opened the Eye Associates office in 1984, and so I'm pretty familiar with eye care and what it involves. I'm a Farley operations manager at KGLP. I'll mostly be listening in today. At this point, are we still assuming that Eye Associates will be closing the clinic with the uh, departure of Dr. Kim? Yes, that's a safe assumption at this point. It is difficult to coordinate services from different offices. And uh, from what I gathered from the independent article, it just wasn't practical to even look at that. I mean, we certainly looked at it as both of us have worked for I Associates, but when you have a very large organization like I Associates that is has to have very tight internal consistency, they have to be able to operate between their clinics. It's it's very hard to attach their provider to a clinic that's not theirs because there's inventory and staffing. And we're talking about, you know, Injections into the eye sounds simple, but that's a procedure that does carry a low but real risk of infection that can be very bad. Uh, and, and so you really want those procedures to be as, as tightly controlled as possible. And it is a big logistical challenge for a large organization to maintain that outside of their organization. And to see the volumes that would be required, um, they, they would be talking once or twice a month. They need to have, we, we have the device they need. We have the imaging device, but it's not the brand that connects to their electronic health records. We have the infrastructure for the IT, but it's not the one that they have. So there's just a lot of logistical stuff behind the scenes that didn't work out as well. Oh, hi, B. This discussion of the closure of, of this optometrist's office in Gallup folds into the challenges of offering health care in general in the Gallup area. We've certainly heard the discussions around uh, the problems with RMCH. And while this is not directly connected, um, I think the problems with health care in a relatively small town certainly uh, would be um, a factor. I can tell you for us personally, we are married. We're both optometrists. We have twins that are eight. We lived in the Gallup area for five years. We started our careers here. I actually worked with Dr. John Mezoff um, in his last year at the office. We really loved the area. We had a good friend base. But when we had kids, we don't have family in town and there's not preschools. I know that there's early childhood education. You can send them a few hours when they're four, but there is not a 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. childcare facility that takes two kids especially. Um, and so that was a huge challenge. That's ultimately why we left the area. Our babysitter moved right after we did. Um, and, and so it felt necessary. When we moved back to the Southwest because we missed it, we chose Albuquerque because they had the early childhood things we needed. And when we ultimately decided we really missed Gallup, Hojo, um, Academy has opened in town that provided the education box that we needed checked for our family. Um, but even in doing that, 
it took over a year for us to open after purchasing the building simply because there's also not contractors. So it's not just a, unfortunately, it's not just a one issue problem. Matthew and I both love Gallup. We both understood that there was a need. We moved back on purpose, but just every step along the way took a lot longer and a lot more effort than it should have. And so someone coming in, not understanding that, I could see where that would be really frustrating. It's not just a one issue thing. You can't expect providers to move here and just sacrifice their entire mental health and well-being and family's well-being just to provide to, for the community. There's not childcare. There's not contract. There's not um, construction workers. There, there's a lot of things that are lacking in the area that I, I hope we can build up. There's an aging physician population of what of the providers that are here. Um, we are the youngest optometrist by decades, and that is a daunting task to understand. <laughs> so yeah, there, there's several things going on. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. it, folding into the bigger picture, and, and uh, B, we want to come to you in just a few moments. Um, you no doubt are aware of the discussions around RMCH. Um, one of the things that has been pointed out is that the services of RMCH ended or were dramatically diminished, it could impact on um, keeping professionals in the area. Uh, how would something like uh, RMCH services going away or diminishing affect you as professionals in Gallup? I mean, it has already, you know, it, it was certainly a thing that we anticipated could be potentially an issue when we moved back. Um, you know, we, we certainly try to utilize, you know, the local services that are here. We, because we lived in Albuquerque for a couple of years, we actually still have established providers there. So, which I you hate know, to say, and, and I, I want yeah, to keep I, I mean, again, if, if the things were available locally as they were there, then I would just not drive to Albuquerque for that. The way it currently is going to affect, you know, at least routine care and non-urgent care is that we have to engage in a few more days of not having providers at our clinic because we have to take ourselves and our kids. Yeah, we have a kid that requires a specialist. And so we go two to three times a year. And it's, um, we, we used to drive to Albuquerque, no problem. But with all the construction and stuff, it's a much bigger pain, in my opinion. And maybe also because there's kids talking in the background the whole time. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, we have to go several times a year and that was one of our goals. We saw so many patients from Gallup when we were in Albuquerque, um, coming for eye care. We're like, if we can knock some of that down, if I can not cause a mom to get on the road for four hours with her kids for an eye exam, that would be nice. Um, but yeah, it's something we factored of if our child has this injury, can we get care? Can it, it was something that we sat down and seriously discussed before moving back. Uh, one other issue I want to touch upon is insurance coverage can vary dramatically. And uh, for those on Medicare, even with supplemental plans, vision care is often very rarely supported at any great uh, level. And uh, there have been cases where individuals find that they have to find an ophthalmologist in order to get full insurance coverage that... Uh, uh, while an optometrist can do much of the same things that an ophthalmologist would do, uh, sometimes the insurance coverage is just not that good for uh, optometry and uh, ensuing vision care. We take most of the medical plans, and we are considered a specialist just like ophthalmology. 
Um, it's what each individual office chooses to um, apply to be on panel with. So we take most medical plans. We take Medicare, we take Presbyterian, Blue Cross, Western Sky, yeah. True Health. I personally filled out all the forms. It was very frustrating. So a lot of the offices in town, because medical eye care existed elsewhere, chose not to be on those panels. But if we choose to be on those panels, we can file it just as well as any other office. So we can um, treat and manage and maintain a lot of diseases. We don't do surgery, of course, and we have several different places that we can refer to for those surgical services. But ultimately, the, the, the services provided determine, I mean, that's how they determine what's covered. So whether, whether it's me or whether you go to, you know, go see an MD in Albuquerque, you're going to, you, you should wind up unless there is a facility or something like that difference, which, you know, like outpatient facilities versus hospitals versus private clinics, but for the same provider in the same type of location or even a different provider, the service they're providing should be covered equally under your medical insurance if, if they're in network. And like I guess so we take something like 22 insurances. So and I think historically, yeah. some of the medical plans did try to keep optometrists off their panels. I know with Presbyterian specifically, it's a regional HMO. And there's several providers in Albuquerque that worked for like a decade before they allowed them on. When I applied, um, I was able to petition, hey, this is the area. This is your future of eye care. This is why we should be on the panel. This is our background. This is why we're medically versed and should be able to treat these things. And they gave us no problem because this is such an underserved community. We did have the background to support it. And so we were easily allowed on panel with no discussion. Some insurance companies like the Molina Medicare Advantage Plan only allow for $250 in vision care costs, including optometrists, each year. And that is a problem with them. Uh, B, you have had a particular concern because you are in a situation where you're now going to have to travel to Farmington, what? Every seven weeks. For treatment, and you cannot drive yourself back after the appointment. Not always. I couldn't count on it. I will have to always go with somebody now. So will it always be Farmington, or are you also looking at Albuquerque? I've done quite a few trips to Albuquerque this winter on behalf of a friend who was getting chemo, and it was just a nightmare every trip. I mean, there were at least two-hour delays, and I've heard of worse delays from some of my friends. It's, it, the trip to Albuquerque has been horrendous. So I chose Farmington because I think that's one of the most beautiful roads on the planet, and uh, there's that to look forward to. Well, and hopefully we can uh, let you continue to uh, to see these beautiful vistas and with proper care. Right. Thank you. Can I quickly just say something that occurred to me while I was waiting? Yes. Listening to the McGraws, who sound so clear, wonderful. You know, this push towards redistribution of wealth. What we're talking about is redistribution of health, just throwing it out. It is often an issue with money. People with uh, 
more adequate resources can often afford better care. Thinking of our area of Gallup yeah. being really owing it to our Native neighbors to be a place where they can depend on getting good care. It's a real, um, you know, it's, it's a noticeable thing on the planet that needs to be changed. For Randy and Matt, in your opinion, do IHS vision care providers adequately serve the indigenous communities? I mean, certainly as somebody who did that for five years, actually seven years because I did it for five here and then two in North Carolina, um, I, I actually really love the delivery model of the IHS, if I'm going to be perfectly honest, <laughs> speaking to the larger healthcare situation. The IHS does a great job of covering as many lives as possible at a much lower cost than our privatized healthcare does. Now, it was a problem for me when I worked there because I was there during the government shutdowns of 2012, 2013, actually, because I was home with our newborn infant <laughs> twins when uh, the government shut down and that was complicated. But Point being, it's difficult to deliver care there sometimes because you have to rely on government contracts, getting things approved when you need outside services. Um, but ultimately, for delivering medical care that they could deliver at the time, I mean, and, and even to this day, they are practicing to the highest level of medical eye care that they can, that their licensure and their um, the government gives them permission to do. And so, I mean... From from the IHS side of things, I mean, the only sh the only shame about that, you know, <laughs> is that it only serves not just not the entire city, but it certainly does a great job of serving uh, the indigenous population here. They they do, you know, that that's top notch care. Yeah, they're a little bit um, they're they're not that accessible right now, just with all the COVID things, because they were they're a treatment site, they're a testing site, so they're still kind of on people who had eye disease and maybe did or didn't take their medicines, they're still kind of cleaning up the very high priorities right now. They're trying to get to routine care. Um, they're not quite there. They're getting there. Um, but the providers in town, we I think we know everyone in the clinic at this point. They're all excellent providers, very well trained. Um, a lot of them started through the residency program. I know that Christopher Hudson and other uh, healthcare providers in the area are trying to look at future options. For you, Brandy, and, and you, Matt, what do you see as possible uh, ways that vision care can be enhanced or improved in the future in the gallery? I mean, cer certainly from our standpoint, we are working to ensure that Gallup doesn't become grants with no optometrists or ophthalmologists. Um, we as of this fall, we'll, we are starting a student program in conjunction with uh, Midwestern University in Phoenix, uh, where in the fourth year of optometry school, the students go out and they rotate through the real world. They go through clinics. And so we are one of those clinic sites now. And so as we start this program off, I think we only have one student this year, but as our site becomes more established, theoretically, we could have a student every quarter and so by rotating more students through, letting them see the area, letting them experience the patient care, we hope to find somebody who, who wants to stay here. You know, it's, it's like selling a house. You don't need everybody to love it. You just need one or two people to love it. And, and, you've, and you've got somebody. So similarly, um, you know, and Gallup 
was for me, certainly I, I, you know, didn't know what I was getting into when I came here as a resident 10, 12 years ago, but obviously I decided that I like it. And I think that ultimately you get a few people through here and someone else will make that same decision. Yeah. We watched other clinics kind of close down through the years. Um, people just had to walk away from their clinics. Um, New Mexico has an optometry licensing problem. I would say yes. we don't, most States will license 50 to 150 per year. Um, I am licensed 605, got mine in 09. Matthew was in 16, and I think he's 690. Mm -hmm. So there were only seven years. Yeah, Yeah. about 10 per year. Um, And that was a good year. I think last year no one was licensed because we had like one applicant and no one could make it to do the exam. The exam is one of the toughest in the nation. We're probably the, I'd say, top three states. Um, They've actually taken off one of the tough parts, but it's still, it's an oral practical. Um, you have to go through different cases. You have to perform an exam. You have to do a law exam. It's much tougher than some States. So someone has to be really wanting to move here to even take it in the first place. And then once they take it, the pass rate is not super high because it is so difficult. Um, so that's an issue. That's always been an issue. Um, so we understand that we're going to have to recruit someone to us so they're not just going to come knock on our door and ask to work for us. And so we're hoping through the student program, Gallup has a lot of great things to offer. There's lots of outdoor things. There's um, some people trying to do good like you guys are. And so if you just have the right personality and get hooked up with the right people, I could see it being an appeal to someone. So we're hoping to build our future generations without just walking away one day. But that's not our goal. Brandy, Matt, uh, Kathy, can you envision uh, a point in the future when a local office might be able to host a visiting ophthalmologist? I mean, certainly we will continue to be looking as best we can. You know, certainly a, a smaller ophthalmology group might be the right answer because I have investigated this in other locations and what I have found is that it's these individual or, or just, uh, you know, one or two people in a partnership sort of situation, ophthalmology wise, where they were able to go into people's offices in other places across the nation that have similar setups to us. This, this one doctor will come in with his staff that to go everywhere with him. And in that way, you sidestep a lot of the issues that we sort of were having with working with you know, a large corporation with inventory and EHRs and all this. Um, And so that's certainly something we're kind of looking around for, but it's, you know, unfortunately, given our location, the places that are potentially viable are, you know, I guess from Arizona or from Southern Colorado, uh, and then obviously other places in Albuquerque, but those, those are kind of all the possibilities. We always intended to research this. It just happened a lot quicker than we were expecting. So it's, it's going to take time. Uh, Meanwhile, uh, I know that uh, IHS clients have access to medical transport, uh, but for non-IHS patients, such as B, um, are there any alternatives in the area for alternative transport should uh, B or others not be able to drive to their appointments in Farmington or Albuquerque? There is a company that we refer to for cataract surgery that offers it. Um, they're called PCLI. They're located in Albuquerque. Yeah, that's... Um, otherwise, it's normally, and, and that's regardless of insurance situation, it's just a service they provide. 
Um, otherwise, it normally depends on um, if they financially qualify through their state-sponsored Medicaid or Medicare. Medicare. Yeah. yeah. Um, beyond that, I, Dr. Kathy might have. Yeah, I, I think hopping on the train to go to Albuquerque is, uh, it requires scheduling, it requires timing, sometimes overnight stays, and once you're in Albuquerque, you'd have to arrange for Uber or possibly taxi, maybe city buses, but, uh, you know, it's not straightforward. No, and I, I'm not aware of transportation availability. I do John and I have experienced in the last month or so that the travel to Albuquerque is much, much better than it was for a while. So I, I don't know. That's a, a hopeful note. <laughs> uh, are there and any? Do you know that there were complex cases that I associates here in town always had to refer out? And those individual clinics in Albuquerque normally do have contract rates with a local hotel because um, there were some cases that we needed three specialists on standby to do whatever procedure. Um, so, so there are normally relationships. If you ask the clinic, they normally have that relationship. So the eye associates clinic might be able to help. Is that what you're saying? I know that there were contract rates for hotel night stays. Yeah. For overnight lodging at least. Now the transportation issue is not one that I'm aware of that they have any current um, assistance for that. Yeah, they've historically had transport, maybe, but that was decades ago. It, it's not been a recent thing. Are there any other short-term or long-term concerns that you think we should bring up at this point? Um, I, I wanted to raise the question. Apparently, um, I don't know if Matt or Brandy are aware for a while at the corner of Cole and Second, there was some kind of a retinal spe- specialist that was coming to uh-huh. yep. the office that used to be Dr. Blake's office. Did that was know? High Country Macula, yes. They okay. closed shop last fall. So we were given like a month's notice. They they completely closed their practice. Yes, unfortunately, that we were we were utilizing them. You know, obviously, I associates in Farmington and Albuquerque um, for our Arizona patients. We found a couple places in Flagstaff. Like we, you know, we 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 try to try to spread around the options as best we can. But obviously, it is you know it's one of the challenges going forward of healthcare delivery in a rural environment. So. So was that was that office a branch of somewhere nearby or, or was that it... was a branch of an Albuquerque based practice. There I were see. about four doctors in that group. They had two retina specialists and two others, maybe. Yes. So did the whole practice close? I mean, they did. There... Yes. Yes. Even in out there, they closed all their branches. Like, I think I think that the main players maybe just decided not to. I think that was kind of a retirement dissolution sort of situation there yeah Yeah, i mean even in albuquerque there were times that i had trouble getting um care to patients in a timely manner because i associates is is the largest in the state of course so they were normally the quickest there are two other three other specialty clinics in town but i mean that's it for for that large of a city much less the surrounding areas that are also calling on the same services do you see that uh, 
there may be a, a shifting of the balance between care by optometrists in the Gallup area and uh, sending folks out to Farmington or Albuquerque for specialist care? So really, I mean, the, the send-outs are going to be surgical. I mean, cases where surgery is needed, then, you know, it's going to have to end up being a send-out. Obviously, we are perfectly comfortable handling anything up to the surgical point, and we're very well-versed because we both worked in clinics where surgery is performed, uh, of kind of knowing where that point is. And anyone that's been trained in optometry school in the past 15 to 20 years um, is going to be well-versed. It shifted to a much more medical approach versus we, we don't just say which is better, one or two cell glasses. We're taught how to manage. And I think it, um, that has helped. There's a lot of rural areas that optometry is all they have. Um, and so we, we knew that it would be required of us to move back here. And we are perfectly well-trained and anyone coming out of school is going to pre- be perfectly well-trained as well. Yeah. And I mean, this isn't, this is not, cer- this is certainly not an us versus them issue. This is a partnership with ophthalmology issue because as we have this aging population across the country, you know, the, the demand has increased. Surgeons need to be doing surgery. It is a waste of their skills almost to have them just doing regular eye exams. They need to be doing surgery. We need to be seeing the post-ops. We need to be providing the care that we can closest to home for people and minimizing, you know, it, it's just going to become more and more of, of a common practice to send out the more complex surgical cases, but then see them back yeah, in like town for the follow-up care. The demand for some things, even we finished school in 08 and 09. Um, I would say specifically the injections like B is receiving. That's for both a um, disease process that you can get as you're older, but it also often happens with diabetes. And just with the increasing cases of diabetes nationwide, the demand for those procedures have gone up way more than the providers to provide those procedures. Yeah, ophthalmology residencies. Yeah, ophthalmology residencies are pretty much flat. They have not increased their capacity nearly as much as demand has increased. Not even close. Um, you know, there, there were always more optometrists anyway. There's you know been a few new optometry schools open, but even then, I mean, demand is across the nation. Demand is high. Um, just with the population demographics that we have. And unfortunately, this is an area where that gets called into stark relief because you already sort of have uh, a limited access to services anyway. Brandy, Matt, uh, are there uh, uh, ways that optometrists can be certified to provide injections such as those required by patients like B? So the the issue with optometry is that it is defined by law. It's legally carved out by law what we are allowed to do state by state. Um, and so that would require a change to New Mexico statutes. There is currently no state in the nation where optometrists are authorized to do uh, intravitreal injections. And, you know, there are certainly states where we are allowed to do certain laser procedures in Oklahoma. There's a fairly broad scope of laser procedures and other minor procedures, even in New Mexico, and we are certainly looking at this, um, 
in New Mexico, we're allowed to do things like remove bumps from the eyelid, other things of that nature. And so, you know, in the short term, we'll probably try to bring at least some of that into our practice to, again, provide the highest level of care we can locally and only refer out when it's absolutely necessary. And And we honestly didn't do that previously because I see, I mean, probably a dozen or two cases of that per year. Yeah, the demand just wasn't. But again, easier just to refer that to IS associates because there's someone that can do it in office really easily. Um, Now that that's not available, we would want to retrain on that because it's been since school that I have done that procedure. And we've already looked into there's there's courses we can take over the summer in Oklahoma. They they do a lot of the advanced procedures. So we are planning to practice to the highest level we're allowed to in the state. But those those injections specifically, no. Uh, Are there optometrists uh, uh, statewide or nationally uh, involved in lobbying for various changes in legislatures constantly yeah i mean it's it's always an ongoing thing there's yeah every every year there's there's folks on the national scale and on the state level across the united states that are working uh, to expand the scope specifically for for the reasons that we're kind of encountering here you know i mean yeah i always refer to new mexico as small but mighty we we don't have that many optometrists as a state But there's been some, I mean, the lumps and bumps was a really big deal. Not a lot of states have passed that because I think the state MDs and ODs do realize we have to work together, working separate or fighting each other serves no purpose, especially in the more rural areas. Um, And so something that we passed recently that not many states has is if you've ever been to one of these chain locations that do a glasses prescription over like an iPad, which is, which has always been sketchy and weird to me, or an online vision exam. Those are really dangerous to public health. I've seen patients who had scarring or double vision, and that's not addressed. So we actually passed legislation to outlaw that in New Mexico. There's only been a few states do that. So there's a lot of different things that are always at play. Um, scope of practice expansion. I don't know that there's currently one. We're about to have our meeting. We can ask. Um, but we, we have pretty good scope of practice. We have good prescriptive authority. There's a lot that this state does allow us to do. It was one of the reasons we moved back. We wanted a good scope of practice. May I, may I speak up just about what, what I've learned from John about, for example, the macular degeneration injections that, I mean, I, so Brandy, are you implying that you were in your training? There was some training about doing those? No, there was training no. for um, doing the lumps and bumps, yes, which is okay. within our scope. Yeah, sure. And and they they, I mean, there was training for some of the injections in the front of the eye, but not with the. I mean, respectfully, injections. I don't want to do intravitreal yeah. re- injections. I purposely well, didn't go to school for that. I don't want that risk. That's what I wanted to bring up because, you know, one reason why I think it would be so difficult for eye associates to do this in your office is that, and. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but that, it, it, you know, if it's going well and everything's fine, that's one thing. But if if there's a complication and there's some bleeding when you do an injection and, and then you need a lot more equipment that you may not have, um, from an ophthalmologist's perspective, that's, that's not safe for the patient. So, um, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. That's not something you, you would like to be doing. I mean... Infrastructure-wise, we had it. It's more logistical. Um, we we uh-huh. have the proper 
equipment and the other ones are, are very portable. Yeah. And I mean, again, there's, there's no, there's no equipment that's so outrageously expensive. Even, I mean, even in I associates in Gallup, if there was a major complication, you were going to Albuquerque anyway. Yeah. Something I did see in literature or in an article like a week or two ago, the injections that we're talking about, um, the FDA, FDA just approved one that is only done every three months instead of monthly. And so I suspect a lot of rural communities, um, barring insurance approval and all, of course, because that's a completely different game. But I suspect that a lot of people that are being asked to travel will probably be offered that three-month injection just because it's providing the same level of treatment, but you're having to go out of town much more often. So I think that's, I mean, that was just approved like a week or two ago. I think that's probably something that will be looked at very soon. Um, So that might be one area of relief if someone needs some hope. Uh, Could we uh, just go around the room and uh, ask for some closing comments and uh, next steps from those who'd like to share? I would say that, you know, it's really unfortunate. I hate to see the I Associates office go here. I filled in there. Uh, Brandy worked there for four or five years. I mean, um, it's bad. It's just an optometry problem, really. We certainly and all healthcare providers need more. Uh, of all the healthcare providers in town, but our practice, even though we've, you know, we've been around two and a half years now, mostly through COVID, um, but we are always ramping up, always working on improving our efficiency and our access. And we are going to continue to try to deliver uh, the best care possible locally uh, as is appropriate and work with as many entities as we can, both to in the short term, have those services that we can't provide available quickly out of town or uh, in the in the long moderate to long term find somebody who we can work with to again get those services in town optometrists are uh, expert diagnosticians uh, you know certainly follow-up treatment um, non-surgical interventions obviously uh, uh, those injections into eyeballs not a thing right now but that could change in the future uh, Brandy, do you have any closing comments? Um, just everything Matt said, and we're we're trying our best to help as much as we can. We we love Gallup. We moved back knowing that there was a need for the area, and we will continue to expand and provide the highest level of care we're able to. We'll continue to seek out places for patients to go to receive the care that we can't provide for them um, and work with the community. And there's a greater need now and uh, as of the end of the month than there ever has been. Uh, Kathy, That's a little bit daunting. <laughs> yes, indeed. Kathy, do you have any questions? Well, I, I really appreciate hearing from Matt and Brandy and um, just getting a little better sense of, of your goals and aspirations. And, and um, so I, uh, that's been very helpful to me. Um, I have one question, Matt, you used to work at IHS is then I know that they have had ophthalmologists there in the past. That doesn't help the non-native people, but what is there any chance of getting ophthalmology services at IHS? You know, I can't speak to the current reality, but I know that as of my most recent information, which is a few, few years old at this point, um, they were, they had literally 
converted their ophthalmology positions to optometry positions because they want to provide, you know, the highest level of care they can locally. And then it's easier and less, it's more cost effective for them to contract out the specialty care. And that's kind of what they've been doing uh, both with eye associates locally and obviously in Albuquerque, Farmington, et cetera. Well, that makes a lot of sense. And uh, finally, uh, for all of you, how closely is the issue of uh, changing uh, access to vision care specialists in the Gallup area tied in with other issues such as the administrative issues at RMCH, for example? It's a symptom of a larger problem. It's It's probably a portion of the reason that cataract surgery hasn't been done here for a few years now. Between the time we started to open our clinic and the time we actually opened, there was no longer local cataract surgery offered, and we had to address that right off the bat. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's certainly, you know, the the hospital would be the place for those higher-level procedures to happen, really. And if it's if it's not working well, then it's going to it's going to trickle down to everything. This is just, yeah, one more thing. And, and I know that Dr. Chang stopped doing surgery at RMCH because it was highly inefficient for him. Yeah. Uh, yep. In Albuquerque, they have an outpatient surgery unit that can be very efficient and do many cataracts in a day, whereas the whole infrastructure at the RMCH operating room just did not allow for that. So there, that's, you know, that's just another sign of how medicine is going. Yeah. Absolutely. Brandy, Matt, Kathy, thank you so much. Thank you for giving us the the forum to kind of make the community perhaps a little more uh, aware of everything that's kind of going on behind the scenes on this one small corner of healthcare.